You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Hello. It's the first game of a doubleheader today. Beautiful day for a poker podcast. Let's record too. Yes, back-to-back records. It's a weird one, though, because it's uh, back-to-back for us, but for the audience, they're still going to get to hear episode 103 next week. That's right. That's why we're going to do a quote-unquote timeless episode next time it's going to be about movies today because of that we are going to talk about poker actually playing poker james played some live poker at the london series at the hippodrome i did that i played some online poker as well as did james a few weeks ago god i hope i can remember any of that at this point that is why i went back and got my hand histories joe because otherwise i knew i'd have no chance of actually talking about any of the hands that i played in that 5k poker in the years free roll i've got a couple of notes but the notes that i take are like the ones you write in the middle of the night that you wake up the next day and you go what is queen 14. Uh, speaking of online poker uh, and people who don't make any money at it, we've got multiple Play Money Sunday billion title holder Barry Greenstein on the show today. Yes. Uh, and Barry and I have a very special relationship. You know that uh, when I was just coming up in the game, just getting started, I was in and out of, uh, we'll just call it homelessness, for lack of a better word. And I definitely crashed at Barry's house sometimes. Yes, you and he go back many, many years. And I was reminded, this is a horrible thing to say, I was reminded of Barry's existence by his answer phone message on episode 100 when we did the live show at the Hippodrome. And I realized, holy shit, we've never had Barry on the show. Yeah, we haven't. He doesn't come to Europe that often. Obviously, he doesn't play online for real money all that much. I don't even know if he has a real money account set up outside of the US like most of the pros do. Uh, regardless, we don't see him that often. No. It was nice to hear for Barry for a hundred show, and he is going to be on the show later today. We've got some social media. I had a birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks for that, by the way, James, last week. I appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> Super fan Gareth Morgan is on the show today challenging me to Walking Dead trivia. Yes. And you know what? His name scares me. Gareth Morgan. Because there's a character named Morgan on the show. Right. And then, of course, there's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays Negan on the show. Ooh. And that that guy's name, basically, he's got like a Walking Dead-ass name. And also, the part that mainly scares me, those are the only two Walking Dead facts I know. <laughs> I just... I just said them. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. Um, Are you committed to watching this show all the way through? Because along the way, you've had a bizarre kind of like love-hate relationship with it. Definitely a love-hate relationship with it. I will watch it the whole way at this point. I mean, depending on how long it takes. I don't know what their plan is. My dream ending scenario to this show, if the entire time uh, they're just trying to make their way to the heart of Atlanta to find the secret recipe to Coke. Coca-Cola. <laughs> To, like, make it last throughout history, like, this is the great job that's been imparted to them. Um, it's I used to say The Walking Dead is the best show on TV for watching people talk about zombies. Now, there was, like, a whole two or three seasons where one character would go, I think I'm going to run across that field. And then they go, they're like, well, you better talk to another character about that. And then he would go around the show, like the entire episode, having different conversations about whether or not he should run across the field. And then at the end of the episode, he'd be like, 
boy, I just don't know if I should run across that field or not. And then they take it to another episode. You're really not selling it to me, I have to say. Um, you obviously said, Joe, that this is going to be mainly a, a poker-focused show because we're doing our bad poker movie special on the following episode. But I have to ask, you mentioned last week that for your birthday, you'd book tickets to go and see Blade Runner 2049. It's very rare these oh. days that you and I see the same movie in the same week. So, top line, no spoilers a review, please. Amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to overuse the word masterpiece, but it is pretty close. I did agree that it was so long. And in fact, um, I went to go see it at nine o'clock at night after having like a bunch of drinks and dinner with friends first. And within the first half hour of the movie, I thought to myself, even though I thought it was amazing i was like I, sh I just need to go to sleep right now i just have to go to sleep i managed to only go to the bathroom once during that movie i think that was an achievement for me my friend went to the bathroom about a half hour in and went home he left <laughs> and he said that and this is my friend my biggest movie fi film friend uh, uh fanatic friend and basically said it was great. I loved it. I went to the bathroom. I saw there was two hours left, and I had to go. Uh, so that would be the major flaw of this movie is how long it is. But, man, is it uh, – like, it just makes you f feel all kinds of things. Yeah, it has you thinking. It's, it's, it's a thinker for sure. Um, by the way, I finally saw Wonder Woman. So last week I was raving about Blade Runner, and you were raving yeah. about Wonder Woman. This week, flip reverse it because you loved Blade Runner, and I loved Wonder Woman. How good is Wonder Woman? It's kind of perfect. And in a way, I was disappointed, not because of the whole woman thing, but because I just love the DC movies really sucking. Like, I just grew to to look forward to that. And Wonder Woman was so solid. It, it was. It felt like a Marvel movie. That's well, how good it was. <laughs> I was about to say, I think it's better than a lot of the Marvel movies because I sure. found the recent slate to be really kind of like introducing too many characters, setting up some come-together in three years' time, a promo for the next movie in the series, where it's, as a standalone origin story film, this was just really, really good. It was really good, and I think the setting helps, and I think that that's something that I've always said, James, about the DC movies, is they're always these, like, the ones that suck, are always these, like, battle for, for the universe and epic proportions yeah. every time, and sometimes you just want to see an above-average person in situations that call for average people, and then they just kick butt, and it's awesome. Yeah. For sure. Okay, that's it. I'm capping the movie talk at this point. Okay. This is mainly a <laughs> poker show. Anything else from your birthday weekend you want to touch on? You know, I, I, not too many stories that I, that I want or can tell from the birthday weekend. We rented a big house in Palm Springs, and basically me and my best friend decided we were tired of our friends uh, complaining about being poor. So we're like, we're going to pay for the house, see who shows up, uh, a.k.a. 13 fucking people decided to show up once, uh, <laughs> once there was no one splitting the cost. And uh, basically, we each got a night. He got to choose the activity Saturday night. I got to choose Sunday night. Saturday night, he said, I want to have a Mad Men party. So uh, everyone dressed up in the era. I thought it'd be really funny if I pretended if I just showed up in like leather jacket and spikes and pretended like I thought it was a Mad Max party. <laughs> and then in all the photos, it's just them all dressed up like 60s styles and I'm post-apocalyptic. Um, so what we did was... I was like, look, okay, my one thing I want for this night is I want no phones. I want nobody on their phones. I want people talking and interacting. We decided what you we want do. 60 suits, excessive drinking, 
unacceptable levels of misogyny, but no phones. Absolutely. No cell phones, no tweeting or posting or Instagramming for at least a few hours a night. So what we did was, in order to make people give up their phones, we hired a photographer. Cool. And we said, look, your one excuse is that you want to take photos of the night. Now, you, now you're going to have photos taken for now, you. Now, was he a photographer of the era? Was he using like a, a <laughs> black and white film camera? No, he had a, he had a digital camera, and he was quite uh, he was quite modern. I'll call him in his personality and his garb. So he did not fit in at all. <laughs> now here's, I love to throw these etiquette things with you, James, because as different as you and I are, I think the way that we expect people to conduct themselves most of the time, or the way we treat other people, is like pretty similar. Yeah. And so this guy came. I think we, you know, we paid him a couple hundred dollars for a cup for like two hours, and he really wasn't taking that many photos unless people were asking him to. Like our idea, you was want that- someone who is basically doing a kind of reportage style document of the evening. You basically just want to go around doing what you're doing, and he's there capturing real moments rather than asking people to pose or being brought over to take photos of specific situations. Yes, exactly. And so um, basically, we're, I'm sitting there going, all right, this is he's not really getting involved here. He's not really doing that much. Mm. Um, and then my buddy's like, well, I still have to tip him. And I was like, no, no, do not. Do not tip him. My God, you know it's come to something, ladies and gentlemen, when Joe Stapleton's advocating no tip because you literally throw money around like it's receipts, just like, here, have one, have one. All right, well, part of it is that this is new Joe. New 43-year-old Joe is actually going to try to be a little bit more responsible with his money. It's genuinely something I'm making a concerted effort to do. Uh, yeah. that I, I just can't live that way anymore. Uh, and then also... Um, a tip so, is supposed so to be I, for good service. And if you're not receiving yes. the level of service that you expected... Yes. Um, the one, one thing I will say, was he clearly briefed beforehand? When I talk about what your expectations may have been, did you make that clear to him before the party? That is a really good question. And I'm not sure about that. So... I agreed. Well, Sam was like, I got to give him something. I agreed $20 only. You can give him 20 bucks, just something to walk out the door. Absolutely. It seems fair to me. And then what happened was, I don't know if you saw James, but then we did this uh, specific recreation of a photo. Um, no, I missed was, this. Did you tweet it? Uh, I did not tweet it. I put. I know you don't have Instagram or Facebook. I'll show you after the show, actually. Okay. Um, and it came out really good. We didn't know how it was going to come out. And he like went to his car and like got a bunch of lights and like came back in and like took a really good time with this photo. So at that point, I allowed Sam to bump it back up to 40. <laughs> <laughs> You're so generous. Um, I am. Talking of generosity, huge thanks to Simon Baker, not the mentalist, um, for giving us a f- outstanding five-star review on iTunes. We do always ask at the end of the show now that you rate the show, you subscribe to the show. Uh, Simon says, if you haven't already checked out Poker in the Ears via usual podcast source, he describes it as an amazing show, an awesome podcast with great guests from the poker world, opportunities for fans to appear as guests. If poker in the title has put you off, I'd reconsider. There's also TV and movie reviews, hilarious stories and quiz games. Simon, we really appreciate it because if you spread the word, 
more people may discover it. If the show grows in popularity, that will ensure its uh, its future. Thank you also to Andrew Ford, who tweets to say, just caught up on 30 episodes. He's oh, listened shit. to everything we've produced in 2017 so far. And Andrew says, looking forward to the next episode and actually being up to date. James, I think we have to tip Simon Baker the full $40. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> man, he hit every single thing I would want someone to say about the show. He's definitely getting the full 40. That was only half of his review as well. Uh, so, Andrew, you have definitely qualified, by the way, to be a super fan if you've listened to all of this year's shows in a very small space of time. So if you want to apply, hashtag poker in the ears. Uh, and Jason B has a suggestion for a future show. Occasionally, we do our retrospective movie reviews. What do you call them? Movie Mondays? Poker Movie Mondays. There we go. Uh, So Jason B says, can you guys review the ESPN series Tilt? There were nine episodes, so you could do three per podcast for three weeks. It's awful. Jason, I would agree. This show aired on Challenge TV in the UK. I watched the pilot episode. It was so fucking horrendous, I switched off within 30 minutes. (laughs) But there is a reply to this. There is a reply to Jason's tweet, which is, I don't hate it. Now, I couldn't work out whether you're saying you don't hate the idea or whether you're saying you don't hate the show. I've never seen the show, which is why I don't hate the idea. Um, this uh, this show, when it came out, this is so funny. Um, I, you know, I sort of missed it when it came out, but not by, not by much. And so uh, I was working for a TV show that had a research department. And the whole job of this show was the guy would handle requests of various TV research you needed. So I went to him. And I said, hey, man, can you get me all whatever it is, nine or 12 episodes of Tilt? And he goes, yeah, sure, no problem. But just so you know, it's already been canceled just in case you're asking for them so you can write a spec. <laughs> and that's, that is 100% what I was doing. I was like, okay, like I have some credibility in poker. Let me watch this series and maybe I can write it. No, it was already canceled by Based the time I got to it. on the first half hour of the pilot, I'm amazed it even made it to nine episodes. So Jason, we will take it under advisement. Uh, I think we're going to be okay for the back end of this year. But hey, in 2018... Anything could happen. Uh, Okay, let's talk about actually playing some poker now, shall we? Event Recap. Event Recap. So, Joe, you had already gone home after your week in London, our live show at the Hippodrome. I went back to the Hippodrome last weekend to play the London Series event, specifically the main event, which was a £275 buy-in with a £40,000 guaranteed prize pool. I played day 1C, the third of four flights on the Saturday afternoon, and during that flight... They hit the guarantee and then started cover, uh, exceeding the guarantee. So all was good in the world of the Hippodrome. Um, That's good news. It was good news. I think there were about, on that afternoon, 70, 80 players across uh, eight or nine tables. So, so was, this is a, t- a 275 buy-in? 275 buy-in. Um, and it was in the theatre where obviously we did the live show in the cabaret theatre on the balcony, but the curtain was up. So you had that view across the Hippodrome. Um, nice. Obviously, any time you can play poker at the Hippodrome is a good afternoon. I had the same seat assignment for my brief run, spoiler alert, 
I did not cash. I did oh, not shit. make day two. I did not win. Um, I was in the one seat at the table, and I know that this is such a petty gripe. This is such a first world problem. But when you don't get to play poker that often, it's so annoying to draw the one seat because I really struggle to see like seats eight, nine, and ten over the other side of the table. And- oh yeah, you make way more mistakes when you're in the one hole because, like, uh, let's say like I would, let's say you're in the seven hole, you make a mistake one out of every like twenty hands, but in the one hole, it's like three out of every 20 hands it like goes up significantly i don't like being the guy who like is is folding out of turn or betting out of turn but when i've been in that seat before i've done it so i was so uber cautious that i was literally leaning forward all the time over the table to check that the guy in the 10 seat had passed before i acted um i got off to an amazing start because bizarrely and i know it's random and i know the odds of being dealt any two cards is the same but I got dealt nine of diamonds, nine of hearts twice in the first three hands. Yeah, I mean, that's still weird for that to happen. Yeah, um, but of course, then sort of went through a bit of a Which one did spell. you go broke with? <laughs> uh, no, fortunately, lost the first one, won the second one. At the very first hand, actually, I, it was nines against tens. Uh, and luckily... Doesn't to... bode well, right? Doesn't that just suck? You sit, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to be here very long. Yeah, managed to like, uh, you know, I, I bet flop got called, bet turn got called, checked check river, he checked it back. Luckily, first hand, early blind level, everyone's deep stack didn't cause too much damage. Later yeah. in the tournament, i.e. level three, that would have been my demise. Uh, <laughs> merely delaying my inevitable demise. Uh, fun lineup of guys, very chatty table, very sociable table. Um... There was a guy sitting opposite me, uh, also called James, who lived near Tower Bridge, um, who was a lovely guy, wanted to talk about the TV shows, the live streams, really liked him, but, there's always a but, he mm. was so slow and so deliberate with everything he did, and that's fine, I guess, he wants to make sure that his sizing is right, he wants to make sure that he's making the right move, but it was starting to really tilt me where he was taking like 40 to 45 seconds to raise pre-flop to the point where the guys who behind him occasionally would fold out of turn or bet out of turn because they didn't think that he was still in the hand because generally the pace of play was really fast. We were playing a lot of hands. Do you think that if you're in a tournament where there's, what were those 20-minute levels in this tournament, James? 30s. 30. Do you think that in a tournament where there's 30-minute levels that you can call the clock three times faster than you would in a tournament with 90-minute levels? I'm not going to lie. There was one occasion, and it was a situation where he had bet the river and the guy had raised enough to put him all in where he was thinking. And I had a, I looked at the clock, and it was like there was 23 minutes left on the level. <clears throat> and I did think, when that gets to 21... If he is still thinking, I don't want to be a douche, but this is a relative turbo, and I think two minutes is enough to make this decision. And I think with like 10 seconds to go before this time that I'd bookmarked, he made his decision and folded. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be douchey about it, and I didn't say anything about it. But Well, given who you are, you can't really be that guy. But I think if you were Johnny Saturday morning poker player, that you could be that guy a lot more quickly everyone it is a relative turbo and at no one people who are playing that tournament aren't 
rich people. You know, they yeah. want to get their money's worth. They want to play. So I'd be like, move it along, Buster. If it weren't for the fact that there wouldn't be a forum thread the next day saying Joe Stapleton berates thinking poker poker player. <laughs> yeah, it's always that fair, isn't there? But as I said, generally great camaraderie at the table. The other thing that tilted me slightly is over at the other end of the table, seat seven and eight. The guy in seat eight had a habit of when he was folding would show his cards to the guy next to him, like showing it to his neighbour. And after the first time, I did say, "Can we see the hand?" please and again don't want to be douchey but if you are going to try and show cards to one person at the table they should be shown to everyone at the table if you're willing to reveal that information yeah because we're curious it just keeps it just makes things more interesting please don't don't hide that from us yeah but also it is it is strictly speaking a, a, a violation um so here's the thing there were so many chop pots at this table and occasionally people would like look in my general direction but number one I was a little bit embarrassed. But number two, I don't know. How do you feel about this? I kind of feel like I'm off duty. I kind of feel like, you know, this. I'm, I'm, I'm on my time. I'm on James' time. You know, this is this is not during working hours. Yeah, I mean, that that's part of how I feel when folks ask me to do it. I just have this really easy excuse to not do it. Just go, ah, I just can't do it without James. James isn't here. And that, to be fair, someone said, oh, I guess you can't do it without your sidekick. And I went, yes, you're absolutely right. That's it. That's what I was thinking of until, wasn't thinking of it all until one second ago when you mentioned it. So a couple of hands to talk about. But before that, midway through the day, the guy in the nine seat is talking to the dealer about something. And being a busybody, I start start listening on the conversation. And he's asking the dealer about this poker event that happened in the Hippodrome Theatre the other week. Like, what was that about? And the dealer is like, yeah, there was something, I don't know, it was like poker ears, and they were doing, <laughs> they were doing something, and then there was, I don't, he goes, I don't know what it was about. So I leaned over and went, oh, what it is, there's these two idiots who do a podcast, and they decided <laughs> to do a live show here at the Hippodrome, and they played poker afterwards. And everyone just went, oh, right, okay, cool story, yeah, yeah. And then, like, there's a pause, and then James from Tower Bridge goes, are you one of those idiots? <laughs> and I just went, Possibly. Um, okay, here's the he situation. It, he probably put it together that uh, you would never actually be calling someone else an idiot. Correct. I I will be self-deprecating, but would never criticize anyone else. So here's a hand situation then, Joe. Uh, early levels, everyone's pretty deep. So we're all playing around kind of 150 to 200 big blinds. There's an opening raise from middle position. I call in the small blind with pocket fives. The big blind, then three bets, original razor folds. I decide to go set mining and call with the fives. The flop is nine deuce deuce. Now, this is a dry board. It's completely nothing. I check and the guy overbets the pot. And I'm so tempted to think, well, what can he possibly have? But I just fold. Um, I think this is one of those situations where you can have like the ever changing read. Like pre-flop, you get to go like, well, if he has aces, I can catch a set and be good. And then on the flop, when it comes nine deuce deuce, you're like, but if he has ace king, then, I, then I'm yeah, good. I, that's, and, and that's the problem is it's that changing theory and realizing, is he overbetting because it's just like, I have ace king and I want to take it down. Or is he overbetting because I've got jacks and I really want to take it down. In, in that situation, I think it's almost, it's way more often jacks and tens than it is uh, a nothing ball because pe- they know that you're unlikely to fold pairs on that board either. Yes, exactly. And my logic has always been, especially in a tournament of this nature, that if someone is betting big, if they are bombing it eight times out of ten, probably more like nine times out of ten, it's because they've got it. Um, so I'm afraid not a particularly interesting uh, exit to tell you about. Uh, was down to 22 big blinds, opened the button with ace-queen, small blind called, 
three bet from the big blind i jam big blind kind of was like oh i don't like it but called and he showed nines which i guess is kind of ironic seeing as that was the hand i had at the start and there was a nine on the flop good game goodbye out of there within four hours went home and watched wonder woman as previously discussed uh but a fun afternoon and it's always frustrating but i don't even remember the last time we were at the hippodrome I pretty much near bubbled. I went out like two or three off the money. I would much rather go out in the like sixth or seventh level of day one than go out like having come back for day two and just missed out on the money. Well, as someone who does what you just did quite regularly, James, they both kind of suck. Yes. Especially I am one who's going to appreciate the discounted bar tab I get at the Hippodrome for <laughs> however many hours I last way more than you are. Mainly because I was drinking water from the free water cooler in the theater. Uh, so that was live poker. Let's talk about clicking buttons now. Adventures in online poker. So, all right, guys, we're kind of telling this one in reverse because, you know, you would have known by now had we had any major scores when we played online a few weeks ago. Uh, first of all, we had the free roll. Yes. Uh, I, I went broke pretty quickly. It was pretty, uh, how do they say, mm, unceremonious. Uh, there was one big hand where I bet, I think I had ace-queen. I bet three streets into kings with top pair, which was a, a pair of queens. Uh he just called the hallway down um, and won a pretty big pop for me. Uh, on my bust out hand, uh, I called with king nine in the small blind just to like a standard raise. The king, uh, a king flopped from actually, he was the guy in the big blind too. So, you know, he didn't, he was kind of over under rep when he had ace king. Lights out for me. But James, <laughs> James knitted it up like a true nitty nitty nip ball. It was how. Like, what did you have? 1.1 big blinds for most of this? The weird thing is I wasn't keeping an eye on the structure, and I didn't realize just how turbo-y this was going to be. And I thought, oh, I'm all right. I've got 10 big blinds. Next thing I look, oh, I've got three big blinds. The blinds must have gone up. Uh, and then I thought, wouldn't it be actually quite funny if I just bled down to one big blind and was forced all in when the big blind came around. Uh, and that way, I guess it's giving everyone an equal chance of grabbing my $100 bounty. Um, I actually managed to not wait that long. I was under the gun with Jack-8, uh, with less than one big blind, decided to call all in, uh, had multiple callers, as one would expect. Yeah. The, the run So the, the flop, and at this point, of course, of course Joe's in the, in the uh, Observer chat. So I know Joe's watching the table. So I text Joe and let him know that I have Jack-8 at this point so that he can kind of sweat the hand with me. And, uh, of course, there's side action. So the flop is like Jack-9-4. It's like, boom, top pair. Ten on the turn, seven on the river. So I've actually made the straight. However, there is another guy, PH Black Widow, who has 8-5, who also has a straight. So it's a chop pot. And on this occasion, nobody was loving the fact that this was a chop pot. No, you wanted the whole pot. Everyone else wanted your bounty. Um, the next hand, Queen 10 of Diamonds. Boom. So, of course, let's get it in again. Multiple callers. Now, let me just read this board to you. So I have Queen 10 of Diamonds. The board is the two of hearts, jack of hearts, four of clubs, ace of clubs, six of spades. 
an ace jack, 6-4 deuce board, no diamonds. How in the world can I possibly be good here? Cliff and Shark shows 10-3. <laughs> PH Black Widow, mucks. Augusto Nero shows Queen 8 for high card Queen. Jay Hartigan shows Queen 10 for high card Queen 10 and wins the pot. Queen 10 high is good. I mean, I guess that's the only time it's ever going to be good is when people are calling you purely for the bounty. Like, that's just amazing how, how much you dodge there. And then I get it in with Ace Queen, and of course, it doesn't hold up. So congratulations to Adam Zorro, who uh, flopped or turned rather a full house and claimed my $100 bounty in the free roll. Uh, fortunately for you, Joe, your evening didn't end there because you decided to spend a lot of your own money playing the Sundays. Yeah, and so I had actually already started the Sunday Million before the free roll started. And the fact that I was still in the Sunday Million when the free roll ended kind of softened the blow for the free roll. I don't even know how long we're supposed to last in these free rolls because, like, I stayed in London for, like, um, like 48 hours longer than I would have needed to just to play in this free roll. And then I was like, what's a good showing in a turbo free roll? Like... I don't I just think wanna... anyone has any expectations that they want you to last a certain amount of time. They just want your money. They just want the hundred bucks. Right. I just mean as far as like the people of our bosses who are asking me to play it. Like I just, you know, I just want to do a good job, James. Bless you. Um, I don't think I ever talked about my bust out hand in the knockout, the 1K knockout W coupe that I played. Uh, that was, by the way, someone jammed at me with 9-4 and yeah. I had ace jack. You talked about we it on the live show. One. Okay, great. Because it's a lot more hands like this. Oh, good. Uh, from last Sunday, uh, I also played in something called the Mini Million, or which I think is like the twenty-two dollar version of the Sunday Million. Yeah, and um, I had this hand come up where I think I raised like one off the button or on the button, and then got three bet huge out of the. Uh, I I remember now early position raises. I flat with deuces on the button. Big blind raises huge. Original razor folds. I call for like half my stack. Yeah, that's um, probably not the best time to go set mining when you're getting really shitty implied odds. It is not, except for the fact that I did flop a deuce. He did have aces. We got it all in the flop, and I was just like, sorry, man. I like wrote right in the chat box, I'm sorry, I played this hand so bad. Yeah, but crucially, you won, so it's all about the results. Exactly. Results-oriented, but my theory behind this, no, James, is... No, don't try and have a theory behind it. Just that admit I, that you butchered it and got lucky. I play really bad in the mini million so that I can play good in the regular Sunday million so that I can, like, fold no those one is buying right this. away. No one is believing this That bullshit. is my... James, I, go, I do all the dumb shit I want to do in the little tournament, okay. like calling inside straights and... Right, jamming when i have no equity <laughs> let's talk about the big one then let's talk about the sunday million tell us how well you played in that tournament having made all of your mistakes in the mini million tell us how you crushed and made the money i did crush in the uh, the sunday million uh there was a dude there's a dude two to my left who ended up going runner runner on me twice like floating flopping based and then picking up a draw on the turn and then hitting on the river two hands in a row nice uh and then like two hands later and he even commented on it. And then two hands later, I have queens. And then he, like, I raise, and then he three bets me, then I four bet him, and then he five bet jams, and I call him, and he has queens. <laughs> so we so Please we tell me no one, got, no one got four flushed. No one got four flushed. It was okay. just a chop pot. And then two hands later, this time he raises, and I three bet him, and I have queens. 
and I'm like, I got him this time. I, I fucking got this, this jackass this time. Once again, we get it all in. Once again, it's Queens versus Queens. No. How it is weird. Queens versus Queens. Um, there's another hand where I managed to get it all in again with aces, and we chopped the pot until finally, uh, at this point, I've done all I can do, James. I've gotten in with Queens twice. I've gotten in with aces and lost. Uh, it comes down to I've, I'm in the small blind with ace seven. Uh, the button jams on me with King Jack. I call because the button had been playing very aggressively as you know there were two short stacks to his left. Uh, the flop comes queen six four all clubs. No one has a club. Ace high still good. Ace high still good. Ace of spades on the turn. Boom top pair. You're there. Absolutely and ten on the river. Queen ten king. Oh, that's a straight winner. Winner chicken dinner. No, not winner. Winner chicken dinner. Ben, loser. Loser, yeah. loser. And then it, the um, the Sunday Millions like a re-entry now. And so I rage clicked re-enter. <laughs> and then I... So when you I say that after your birthday, you decided to reassess some of your financial decisions, this is the kind of shit you're talking about. Yes, except for some reason it didn't happen right away. And then I figured out how many big blinds I was going to have. And I, I canceled it. Okay. So I didn't get in. But then I'm sitting there like... Just really pissed off and like really kind of steaming, and now I'm not tired anymore. So I'm like, why don't I, uh, why don't I play the hundred nine knockout? How about that? It's just, it's not quite as bad as spending another two hundred fifteen dollars for eleven big blinds in the Sunday Million. Let's try the one hundred nine knockout. And as per usual, zero bounties. Oh no! Did not cash. Ended up going broke all in preflop. Ace king versus ace jack. And finally, at this point, I was like, you know what? I am done. I'm going to bed. And that's really maybe one of the least losingest nights I've ever had. And then you went back to America where it's all about the play money games. Talking well, I break of which... even. I break even every single day here online, James. <laughs> uh, let's talk to a man who's played a lot of play money poker. So as we said, we realized when we we're at the Hippodrome doing our live show, that Barry Greenstein has never been on this show. A few weeks ago, we introduced Andre Akari, saying, Andre, we think you're the last member of Team Pro uh, to have appeared on Poker in the Years. We forgot about Barry! But what also reminded us about Barry is for next week's episode, when we're breaking down Lucky You and Deal, so many pro poker players appear in these movies, especially Lucky You, where everyone who normally plays at Bellagio has a cameo. And Barry is in that movie, playing in the big game in Bobby's room at Bellagio. So who better to preview our bad movie special to have on this podcast than the bear himself, Mr. Barry Greenstein. Welcome finally, Barry. Hey, hi guys. Barry, thanks so much for being on the show. I, Barry, I want you to know that every time I see you at a tournament, which is not very often these days, I just have such fond memories of you and us and Poker Road and all the uh, – look, people out there may not know this. Uh, Barry had a lot to do with me getting my job on the big game. I don't know if you want credit or blame for that, Barry, but, uh, blame. but thank you. Definitely blame. <laughs> well, I, I obviously feel a lot of guilt. You know, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> I recommended to John Caldwell that uh, you be hired you know, because, of course, I figured to get you out of Poker Road, but – you know. <laughs> anyway, it's amazing. Have you ever lasted a job this long, Joe? 
I have it, but that's usually because the shows that I worked on previously all uh, all went, you know, don't like poker. Don't like, take like poker road. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Never mind. Yes, I'm not going to say it. Yeah, yes, of course. We all expected me to last this long. So Barry has just revealed to quote Larry David, "You foisted Joe Stapleton onto <laughs> Poker Stars, and we've been stuck with him ever since." Uh, you know, it's one of those things I was hoping people wouldn't know about my career, but I guess it's out now. Well, I'm sorry, Barry. You deserve, like I said, the credit slash blame for that. Uh, Barry adopted several of us back in the day. I don't know. Uh, Barry had his his own kids that he took on, and then also a bunch of us in the poker media were like in and out of housing and traveling a lot, didn't have like really steady places to stay, and a bunch of us ended up staying at Barry's house. I don't even know if Barry was aware that I lived there, but I did. Did you know that I lived there, Barry? <laughs> I would sometimes, you know, I get up at weird times. I know I had to walk across bodies that are like in sleeping bags or different places. But as I recall, <laughs> you always got dibs on the couch. I was, yeah, no, I, I was always, uh, I, I knew how to t- take care of me. That's for sure. Barry, what have you been up to lately? We don't see a ton of you on the tour I assume you're still playing poker. What what ga- what what games are you in? Well, tournament wise, which is where where people see, you know, you know, players like myself, basically just the World Series of Poker, and uh, I'll go to the Bahamas tournament. That's pretty much it. Um, but I play poker for a living, which means uh, you know I don't bring my lunch to work, but you know I show up around four o'clock uh, and go home. You know, midnight or one o'clock. Uh, I play mixed games, and uh, you know we have a, a new casino in LA called the Gardens Casino. It was Hawaiian Gardens in a tent, and now they open a nice new casino. So the mixed games are mostly there. Although sometimes if I feel like playing on the weekends, uh, because that's a weekday game uh, with more business people, but on the weekends if I play, I head over to the Commerce. And uh, what's uh, like, I know that the games don't necessarily play as big as they used to, or maybe they do. What kinds of stakes uh, are they spreading? No, they, they don't play as big. The, the big game now is usually like two and 400 limit. And often I'll play a game where it's even smaller, but uh, we play with overs and we cross book and all sorts of things. So it ends up uh, not quite that big, but close. So, you know, that's, you know, Instead of playing in games where I'd always want to win a hundred thousand, now I'm playing in games where five thousand's a nice win. So you know that's how much uh, uh, you know how much th- the stakes have gone down. And with th- with these games, do you get a steady influx of new players who want to play like high limit mix, or is it uh, is it really just holding now? No, it's, it's uh, occasionally holdems in the mix. But uh, at the Commerce, they often have Hold'em in the mix. At the uh, uh, at the Gardens, it's all these Badoogie and Badoosey. And uh, if we're in a mix with Big Bet games, then it's, uh, you know, PLO8 and, you know, still deuce, deuce to seven, uh, uh, no limit one draws gets thrown in. And like today in the mix, they had double board Omaha High was a game in the mix. That's a weird game if you've never seen it before. Double board Omaha High. That sounds. Uh, it just sounds really expensive to me. <laughs> no, it's just the, at the same time, two boards get dealt out, and it's a split pot game between whoever wins on the first board with whoever wins on the second board. So it's kind of interesting. 
and so I guess what I was more getting at was that uh, are, is there a steady influx of young players who are like coming into this game eventually? Um, I don't, I don't know about young, but uh, uh, you know, pretty much anyone who plays poker, you know, the way it worked during the poker boom is people got into it through no limit holding that they saw on TV and played on the internet. Then they transitioned a little into PLO. Those were the main games for the for the younger players. And then once they hit, you know, often 25 to 30, then they realize there are other forms of poker. And you always want to be diversified because eventually you want to play against people who are playing recreationally and have money and just are having a good time. They may like a different game than No Limit Hold'em or PLO. So as you mature as a, as a professional poker player, you try to make sure you can play whatever game uh, someone spreads. So... Uh, you know, we see those some of those people who you might have known when they were younger as no limit holding players transitioning over. Okay, so there are still people who are who are moving on to these games. This isn't just a game that's eventually going to die out one day. Yeah, no. The reason I was saying it wasn't younger players is because it's a it's a growth, you know, in someone's game to learn the games and play all these different things, and of course, it's growth to go from smaller stakes to bigger stakes. So a lot of times. You know, we're not going to see someone who's 21 years old, but if 30 is young, then we'll see people who are 30 years old. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about online poker. Yes. You obviously have uh, still had some success, we'll call it quote-unquote success, playing online. How many times have you won the Sunday Billion? Yeah, it's it's, it's absurd. Uh, I've, well, I, I think I've only won it twice. I think I've had like two only. or three seconds and a bunch of... Uh, uh, you know, final tables, and then they also have something where there's a billion dollar buy-in, and not that many people have a billion, sorry, billion chip buy-in. Right. I wish with dollars. Billion chip buy-in, and uh, I won that one twice also, and wow. had some seconds in that. So, so uh, it's, I, I think I've run well for play money. But it also, you know, obviously this, the, uh, it's all about levels. You know, I'm obviously I should be, uh, if not the best player, then obviously close to it. Uh, you know, so I have a, a skill advantage, but you also learn what works better in play money than real money. Or it's really, you can really think of play money as small stakes poker. Yeah, I was surprised, Barry, because when I joined PokerStars full-time and therefore lost the right to play real money and therefore found myself firing up play money spin and goes or play money Zoom games, I was slightly surprised and delighted that at the high-stakes play money games that there's still a decent level of play, that it isn't just a shove fest, that people do actually care about playing the game, for want of a better word, properly. Yeah, well, you know, you can think it has some value. I would guess to buy a million dollars in uh, PokerStars Play Money chips, if you wanted to buy it outright, it probably cost $5. So, you know, it, you can extrapolate from there what people feel they're playing for. Yeah. And poker levels are always about the stakes. Uh, so people take it really seriously. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, like I've won pots where I'll knock someone out where I had the worst hand and drew out, and they'll, like, complain how... You know, because I'm a poker stars pro, like <laughs> wanted me to take their play money. You know, I mean, it's like it's the same thing that happens on the for real money. It's like the the whining and the table talk isn't any different. It's it's pretty hysterical that uh, you know 
I mean, people take it really seriously and get upset, you know, about the same amount. And your retort is, do you really think I want to be using my run good in this game right now? <laughs> yeah, I say, I'm sure the programmers, uh, you know, they were just waiting for the, just to take you off. That's what they, <laughs> they, they stuck that in the code somewhere. Let's get this guy. Um, how long does it take to win the Sunday Billion? Are you up all night? No, no, it's about a four to four. A little more than four hours. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been asked many times that, you know, people are surprised I take it this seriously. Uh, you know, I've always been competitive. I remember, uh, you know, like I used to, in the poker boom days, go into, let's say, the Borgata, and people would beg me to play in the dollar, you know, a dollar, two dollars, whatever it was. And they thought I was just going to go all in for a hundred dollars, whatever I bought in for. And I'd say, no, because then you're going to tell people you beat me. And I said, I always, the way I always thought of competition, of course, most of my life, and I think a lot of poker players played sports when they were younger and transitioned into poker, you know, and so did I. And so whether you're playing tennis or golf or whatever, even if you're not playing for money, you're trying to beat the other person. And so I, I've always told people, if you beat me, you can, you know, you got my best effort. So yeah. it's like not a hollow victory. I didn't dump. I actually tried. And you beat me, so you know. But I'm not going to just give that to you. I'm not going to just say, just throw away and say, okay, now you can say you beat me. I'm going to give my effort. Now, obviously, sometimes I don't want to sit there and play, play money because it's not real money. Uh, but what initially happened is when I wasn't able to play real money, they said, can you play like three hours and the you know on a Sunday and the and the play money stuff. And they said, you, you can play cash games or tournaments. Well, I got this idea. I said, I got an idea. I'll play that Sunday billion thing, and I'll try to last three hours, and that'll, like, take up what they wanted me to do. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I was so great at even competing for play money. It's that I was thinking of time. So I wanted to last a certain amount of time. So in, And in lasting, I ended up winning it a few times just accidentally. <laughs> so so that's how the whole thing started now i got even a trickier thing that i do they have me play the sunday billion and this billion dollar entry which they call i don't i've already forgotten what it is you know i played it every week uh, uh you know sorry my play money friends they want me to like be uh you know really doing good advertising for uh poker stars play money i can't even remember what it's called the sunday showdown that's what it's called and then I also play in a million, two million cash game. Well, I've decided whether they buy into this or not that my time is how long I last in all three combined. So if I can like play for two hours on all three, that's to me six hours a week. Okay. So, I'm not sure it works like that in reality, but it's a really good argument. You know, that's my my story and I'm sticking to it. You stick to it, Barry. Me, if, they, if they ever say you didn't play the amount we that you originally said you would, I'm going to say two hours, three games. That's six hours. I don't know what you want. <laughs> um, you brought up the subject of chip dumping, Barry, which brings us on nicely to a movie that Joe and I are going to be discussing on the next episode of the podcast, Lucky You. And whilst doing research for our review of this movie, we were reminded that you make a brief blink-and-you'll-miss-it appearance in this movie, which started an argument between me and Joe about whether that was actually filmed at Bellagio or not, because it looked convincingly like the poker room at Bellagio. Was it actually a set? It's amazing what they did. Uh, they did an incredible job. They, uh, the Bellagio was 
about to tear down the high limit room and make what is now known as Bobby's room. And Curtis and I can't remember the producer's name, a woman, uh, Carol, uh, Curtis Hansen, who's died, unfortunately, he's a great director. I mean, I really enjoyed working with both of them. Um, they said, well, if you guys are tearing down the poker room, why don't you let us have the materials? So they got those materials and stuff from tables. And then they have, you know, obviously in Hollywood, some great set designers. Yeah. You know, they took all the pictures, whatever. And in L.A., in what is normal, the way it works in these studios, they're basically these empty warehouses that they turn into sets. Yeah. And so they just duplicated it. And, you know, the amazing thing for every poker player who was in that movie is the first time you walk on that set and you say, Oh my God, it's like a <laughs> before virtual reality, virtual reality things where you realize everything is identical, except Bellagio wouldn't let them use the exact Bellagio B on the tables because that's copyrighted or whatever wow. it is. And the B is actually a combination of Steve Wynn and his wife's initials put into a B. And they had to like tweak it a little bit to where the Bellagio would sign off on it. I didn't even that notice that. But I was convinced. Yeah. I th I thought they had actually filmed at Bellagio. It was Joe who said that it was actually a, a reconstruction. Um, spoiler alert, Barry. We are not going to be kind to this movie. It's not very good. Well, let me let me tell you, and then you'll understand the real thing that happened. Good. I can't uh, wait. You'll see me just in the first 15 minutes. Yep. And what happened was, I everything that happened, I said... Uh, I said, no, that's not the way it happens in poker. And I rewrote every scene I was in. And one of the worst things I did to myself was Curtis said, okay, this, ga this game has gone overnight and you're playing. What would you be doing? And I said, I'd probably be ordering breakfast. He says, okay, well, then we'll get you breakfast. What do you eat for breakfast? I said, hey, you know, scrambled eggs or something like that. Well, I didn't know what ha would happen now, which was they keep making me scrambled eggs. I've got to <laughs> eat eggs, of course, which is photographed. And then they do the cutout of a table that you get film from every angle. Now, I grew up that you, you know where you don't waste food. So the first like 15 <laughs> takes, I ate my scrambled eggs. And then after a while, they said, you know, people don't just keep eating it like you're doing. <laughs> I said, that's good. I was just trying to be realistic. So can I like spit it out or something? But anyway, let, let me tell you what went down. So I rewrote. All the dialogue, like they had those stupid things. Another another thing I had to rewrite. They had the guy borrow five thousand and like write a check. And I said, "This never happens, Curtis." He says, "Well, what happened?" I said, "Either nothing, and the guy just passed the chips, or the the most that would happen is someone would scribble a number on a napkin." So in the movie, something is scribbled on a napkin. So I'm rewriting every scene and turning it so it's you know I kept telling Curtis, you know, he's the one who did Eight Mile. I said, the, the nice thing about your movie 8 Mile is it makes you really think that's how rap battles went. You know, it really seems realistic. And this poker, so I said, the problem with poker movies is they're never realistic, and that's not the way things happen. So I was, you know, they really liked that I'm rewriting all the poker. When I say rewriting the scenes, anything that had to do with poker. Yeah. The bet sizes, I changed everything, you know. So, you know, because originally, of course, they had people betting stupid amounts. Barry, how was there not an official technical consultant on this movie? How did they not have a poker player well, actually well, designated to do this? Well, they didn't. Well, Matt Savage was kind of that. And, you know, Matt, you know, was a director, you know, so he was a little bit. 
But then Jason Lester and I ended up. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to be Jason. Being, well, so, but anyway, so they wanted me to stay the whole movie. But here's the backstory. But I was playing poker at the Bellagio in the big game at the time. They, they were asking me to do the movie, and I made a deal with them. Because initially, there was a, in the initial writing, there was going to be an Asian woman who is uh, at the final table with uh, Bannon. Is his, what's his name? Eric Bannon or something like that? Eric Banner. Eric Banner. You're confusing Banner, Eric yeah. Banner with Steve Bannon, which is uh, bizarre. Yeah, not a good thing for Eric. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Eric's a real nice guy. Uh, anyway, so I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll fly out to L.A. I was in Vegas. If Mimi Tran can audition for the part of the Asian woman. That was the deal. Okay. And so I did this thing, and I'm rewriting this stuff and everything. Now, uh Mimi has to, and the way it works, I said, I, you don't have to give her the part, just give her a tryout. So the way it works, there are these agencies, casting you know, agencies that do all the trial stuff, you know, where... Yeah, casting directors, oh, it's an outside... Whatever there, but agency, it's this one, yeah. you know, company that does it. Mimi goes in, and I get a call from the woman who... I actually think it was Mally Finn, James, who did Lucky that's, You. That's, a, that's it's who? Mally Finn? Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds familiar. She's huge. You're right. So anyway, but she calls me after Mimi does the audition, says she knocked it out of the park. There's no chance she won't get the part. Okay? I said, great. So now it comes up, and I asked Mimi about it, and she said, well, I just did what they said. And uh, at one point they asked me, I, she, Mimi tells me, I asked her, should I flirt with you know the guy who's substituting for Eric Bannon. And the casting director said, we'll do whatever you would do at the poker table. And she says, well, I'm a professional poker player. I don't flirt with players at the table. And so, so she just said, you know, the lady said, okay, well, then don't. Just be yourself. But she thought Mimi knocked it out of the park. Now it ends up, Carol and Curtis come to me, say, well, we're sorry Mimi's not going to get the part because we wanted someone who was a little more flirtatious. Ah. Uh so, of course, I went berserk, and I said, she could have done whatever you wanted, but, you know, she didn't because that she was, wasn't told to do that. you got to, you know, at least tell the casting director. And then, you know, so we got in kind of a disagreement over it. And uh, they were begging me to stay on for the rest of the film. And I said, no, I'm done with it. I said, you guys can't even coordinate with the casting director what you want them to do in the tryout. I said, that's absurd. How did that uh, not make all of the trades, Barry Greenstein, walking off of Lucky You? Absolutely. So I said, yeah, so I said, forget it. So I, so I said, I'm done. Okay, so I did my 15 minutes. And then they tried to appease me. They said, we're going to get Mimi in somehow. So if you look, I'm nowhere in the movie after that. But, I, but Mimi's in, like, the final scene where all the poker players show up because they're trying <laughs> to get me to come back and, re and help them rewrite some of the stuff. Now it ends up. When I found out what they did, here's what they did. They tried to do a cross between a poker movie and a teenage girl movie. I said, this movie has no shot. You, you just screwed your whole demographic. You had to make that female lead totally a different character. Anyway, more on Lucky You on next week's show. I'm assuming, Joseph Stapleton, that you will require Barry Greenstein to play one of your notorious trademarked dumb games before we allow him to go. 
Yes, please. And Gary should know a uh, Gary. Barry should know these games very well because he uh, he originally hired me to play these dumb games with other poker players. <laughs> okay. Here we go. We got a we got a game for you. It's called Green is the warmest color. All of the answers, Barry Greenstein, have got the green sound in it. Okay, there's green in every one of these answers. You ready? Okay, I got it. And the thing, James, you know how these poker players sometimes do abysmally with like pop culture and stuff? Yes. Barry hasn't consumed pop culture since the premiere of Lucky You. <laughs> so most of these are things that uh, would not uh, would not apply anytime after that. Here we go. Question number one. What is the nickname of the giant wall in left field at Fenway Park? The Green Monster. The Green Monster. He is on the board. One for one so far. Question number two. This old-timey comedian famous for multiple Tonight Show appearances and starring in the movie Splash in History of the World Part 1. Let me think. History of the World Part 1. Okay. So, History of the World Part 1, that was Mel Brooks's movie, right? That is correct. And comedian. I'm not going to be able to help you with this one, Barry. I'm afraid I have no idea. Wait, tell me, tell me it again. What did you say about him? He's an old-timey comedian. He was famous for multiple Tonight Show appearances uh, with Johnny Carson. Also was in the movie Splash and the movie History of the World Part 1. And remember, it's got the green. Yeah, I yeah I'd just say Mo Green. But... Mo Green is incorrect. Wasn't that from The Godfather? Mo Green is dead. So is Natalia. <laughs> Barzini. All the heads of the five families. Today I settled all family business. Sorry, I got distracted. We're looking for Shecky Green, and Shecky uh, Green, of course. believe Shecky it or not, Green, which, which is which is John Caldwell's like, uh, you know, alter ego or something. That is correct. He goes by Sheck Twit. Uh, he, by the way, yeah. Shecky Green actually also hosted a show called Hip Hop Hold'em. Wow. Hashtag fun facts. I, I'm really uh, impressed. Go to the next one. Barry, who is the cartoon spokesman for peas and carrots? The, the Jolly Green Giant. Jolly Green Giant is correct. Ho, ho, ho. Green Giant. Wow. Okay. So people in England know that one. Great. I wasn't sure. Uh, Barry, what was the name of the fictional massacre made up by Kellyanne Conway? <laughs> <laughs> the fictional massacre was at Bowling Green, the Bowling Green Massacre. That's correct. The massacre at Bowling Green. Uh, being pretty good in the garden is sometimes known as having one of these. Yeah. Green Thumb. Green Thumb. Barry's on a roll now. How about a medical condition that often sets in after frostbite? Um, well, I don't think it's gangrene, but uh, it is gangrene. You really get gangrene after frostbite, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. Where they got it. Cut they your, are uh, connected. Cut. Uh, you're five of six, Barry. One more. Here we go. This North American bird of prey is often referred to as the duck hawk. <laughs> okay, I, I think. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to lose my Audubon Society uh, card, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm really weak on duck hawks. Uh, we're looking so, for... You want to okay, take a guess? Me, wait, wait. Okay. Wait, wait, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, is Green Falcon, is, is that a character? Green Lantern. <laughs> but <laughs> let me think. It's got green in it. There's, when I think of green birds, I think of mallards. But anyway, but you said it has to have green in the word. Um... Uh, yeah, I don't have a good guess. 
I wonder if there's anyone in their in home right now tearing their hair out. We were looking for the peregrine falcon. Bit oh, of a yeah, trick question there. Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I could have had a shot at that one. Peregrine falcon. Barry, five out of seven is still a winning score, and you have performed much better in Joe's game than the vast majority, i.e. 95% of fellow poker pros. <laughs> who are those 5% who beat me? That's what I want to know. Uh, who who did really well? Honestly, it would be one of those games where I made every answer the exact same. Like for Elky, I just made the answer every question sick. Barry, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Okay, okay, guys. Good talking to you. Poker in the ears. So our thanks once again to Barry Greenstein. Our next guest, Joe, is standing by on the line. It's almost super fan time. I did just want to quickly remind people that we've talked a lot about the PCA in January and about the Road to Bahamas promotion. I don't want people to forget that we have got the last event of 2017 before that, namely the PokerStars Championship Prague. And satellites are currently running for Prague in the PokerStars tournament lobby. And as usual, there are ways of satelliting into satellites for a very small investment. So while we're kind of saying, hey everyone, win a seat in the PCA, join us in the Bahamas, please don't forget you can also win a seat into the Prague main event and join us in the Czech Republic just before Christmas. And uh, we've mentioned this probably dozens and dozens of times, Prague is awesome. It's a great time. Everyone's in a good mood. Stuff is cheap in Prague. Tons of poker to be played. Uh, it's really a great stop. Absolutely. And in a bizarre example of rare forward planning, we already have a super fan booked for our podcast in Prague, our last show of the year. And of course, we have someone this week hoping to win some prizes. Superfan versus Stakes. So let's bring this week's superfan onto the show. Let's have a round of applause for Mr. Gareth Morgan. Greetings, Gareth. Hello, how's it going? Well, Gareth, thank you. what's up? What's up, buddy boy? How's things? Uh, very well. Are you looking forward to the new season of The Walking Dead starting very soon? Yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be really, really exciting, hopefully. Are you uh, the type of person who's stuck with this show through thick and thin? Because I got to admit, there's a couple times I was like, oh my God, this is the most boring show ever about zombies. I stuck with it. There was a few episodes where I just let them build up. I usually religiously watch them as soon as, as soon as they air, but I did go a couple of weeks and let them build up and then just got back on it then. I went a couple of seasons at one point. I was like, oh my <laughs> God, no, no more farming. Yeah, well. <laughs> They burned it down in the end, so it's fine. <laughs> it's a TV show I've never watched, and I was marginally worried about it being a specialist subject on Superfan versus Stapes, because I was thinking, oh no, spoilers. And then, in numerous conversations, Joe has said to me, don't bother. If you haven't started watching it now, just don't bother. It's not worth it. Juice ain't worth the squeeze. It's, it's all out there now. I'd still recommend anyone to watch it, but it's pretty hard to avoid spoilers for anything now these days anyway. Now, Gareth, tell us about yourself before we launch into this quiz. Where are you from? What do you do? How did you get here? Um, I'm from South Wales, from a place called Cumbran. Um, I've recently started a new job, actually working out for the NHS. Um, I'm not going to go into the specifics of what it is. But, um, yeah, so I've actually had two days in that job. So. Wow. So far, so good? Yeah, really enjoyed it. It's good. How long is your probation? I actually haven't got one. Wow. Ooh, you must be legit. We have no probation period, so 
hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes great. Is that because is that because you're really good at what you do, or is that because the NHS is so desperate for anyone to work there? <laughs> and I'm not going to comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Gareth, as well as being a Walking Dead fan, and I, as well as, I presume, being a poker fan, you were also an Arizona Cardinals fan because you taunted me with the fact that our teams were playing the other weekend and said, would you get onto the show if the Cardinals beat the 49ers? And I said, I'm going to let you on the show now because I can already predict the result. Ironically, it somehow went to overtime, but anyway, yeah. net result, still the same. Yeah, exciting last, uh, when it went into overtime, though. It was exciting last play, so I can't complain. Yeah, I can't say watching any of the games the 49ers have played this season have been exciting. When your team is 0-5, it doesn't really fill you with much enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. uh, talk to us about poker, Gareth. How much do you play? Uh, I play online now and again, pretty recreationally. Um, really, not really high stakes, sort of, you know, the 550 buy-ins, things like that. Um, watch Twitch poker very often, watch all of your live streams, listen to your poker, uh, poker news podcast every single week, watch... Um, well, I used to watch it on ESPN, but now recently on Poker Go as well. So it's really good. The he sounds like the perfect consumer. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Gareth, we're going to give you the chance to win some stuff. Uh, you know that the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodie is up for grabs. I'm also going to give you the choice at the end, should you win the quiz of your okay. other prize. Uh, let's launch into this. And thanks to Ben, the producer, for compiling this quiz. He did this one himself because he is a huge Walking Dead fan. There are some easy ones. There are some hard yep. ones. Some are multiple choice. Some are not multiple choice. We'll just see how we go. Uh, we're going to do it in chronological order. And we're going to start with you, Gareth, as our guest, okay. as our super fan. You get question one. And question one is... What are Rick's three questions? Two points for all three, one point for two. Um, Rick's questions. Uh, how many people have you killed? How many walkers have you killed? And have you killed any? No, the last question was why, but you do get one why? point for identifying two of the questions. So you are on the board. Okay. Joseph, uh, you have a multiple choice question. And as you know, if you're able to answer it outright, you'll get two points. Otherwise, if you take the options, the score goes down to one point. Carl Grimes is shot by two people. Who are they? Carl, right. Carl was shot by... I need the multiple choice. Was it Ron and Sam, Otis and Sam, Otis and Ron, or Hall and Oates? I'm going to go with Otis and Ron. Incorrect. It was Otis and Sam. Ah, I knew Otis is one of them. Gareth, your second question. Multiple choice yeah. options available should you need them. But for two points, can you tell me which group call the dead Romas? Oh, Romas. Um, I have to go to multiple choice. Okay. Is it the Alexandrians, the Terminus residents... The Woodbury residents or the Saviors? Um, I think it's the Terminus residents. It's not. It's the Alexandrians. Oh, well, but there is a bonus question, <laughs> Gareth. You can score a point here if you can tell me what do the residents of Woodbury call the undead? Uh, the undead? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Joe? Can I take a guess even if I don't get the point? Yeah, absolutely. You can steal for a point. 
fighters? They do, and we have a tied fighters. game. Oh, uh, yes, they do, yeah. And Joe, it's your question. Multiple choice options available should you need them. Can you tell me who kills the character Mika? Kills the character Mika. Uh, Carol? I don't have a name. Oh. <laughs> Shall I give you the multiple choice options and maybe someone can clarify this? Was Mika killed by a walker, the governor, oh. her sister, or Negan's crew? Well, I got it wrong anyway because it was not Carol. So okay. you can. Uh, In which I, case, Mika's Gareth, you can steal a point if you can get who it was from that list. Uh, Mika. I can't remember. I've gone completely blank. I'm going to go out to say. Governor? No, it was her sister. Apparently, uh, sister. There is a bonus question, Joe. What is, it, what is the name of the episode in which Mika is killed? Death of Mika. Nope. <laughs> Gareth, do you know? Not a clue. Not the name of the episodes. No. It was called The Grove. We're doing excellently. <laughs> One point apiece. And Gareth, I was going to say until until that last question, I was going to say this is a pretty decent quiz so far. Kind of tough, not impossible, but we're we're declining. Okay, well let's <laughs> move on to question five, which is Gareth's question: How does Beth die? And there are multiple choice options available. Does Beth die? She. Uh, I'm going to go multiple choice because I don't want to get it completely wrong. Okay, was Beth stabbed by scissors? Mercy killed by Michonne? Accidentally shot, or shot on purpose? Um, I really should have rewatched this series. Um, was she Mercy killed by Michelle? No. I think she was stabbed by scissors, right? No, she was accidentally shot. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you have such superb memories of this series. Joe! <laughs> multiple choice options available. What crossover? Is there between The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad? AMC have confirmed that they exist in the same universe. Wow. Um, I hate that. I'm just angry about that. <laughs> it's stupid. This series, this TV show already frustrated you, and now you're even more frustrated by it. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. Would you like the options? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Is it that... Glenn is in both with the same name. In one episode, they run past a branch of Los Poyos Hermanos. There is blue meth in Merle's drug stash. Or, yeah, bitch, magnets. Ah, uh, there's blue meth in Merle's drug stash. There is, for a point, which sees Joe take a 2-1 lead. And there is a bonus question. What is the connection between Breaking Bad and Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, there's blue meth in Fear the Walking Dead. No. Do you happen to know, Gareth? Yeah, the uh, Heisenberg song um, played by the Mexican band is actually played in, I think, when they're walking into the stadium in Fear the Walking Dead. It's close enough. The Ballad of Heisenberg plays in a mall yeah, at the start it. of a scene in season three. I'm going to give you a point for that, and we have a tied game going I into the... I can't begin to tell you how angry I am <laughs> about this. <laughs> that... Like, no matter what happens to any of the characters in Breaking Bad, they all die in the zombie apocalypse? I really look forward to Saul We're Goodman appearing as a zombie in a future episode of The Walking I, Dead. 
I mean, what the fuck? Is Jesse gonna be uh, re rescued from the, the 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 biker gang only to fucking have to live out his days cutting the heads off zombies? <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Uh, we enter the second to last round. Question seven goes to Gareth. What were Abraham's final words? Oh, God. Um... Options available. I think it's something to do with his balls, I think. Suck my balls, something along the lines of that? Or... Do you know what? I'll give it to you. It was suck my nuts, but it was close that enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you two points for that, and I'll also offer I you this... I have no issue. I have no issues fairness-wise, I agree. Nuts and balls. Same <laughs> Let's see if you can get the bonus point here, Gareth. What compliment did Abraham pay Eugene after he attacked a saviour? Uh, is there multiple choice with that one? There isn't, no. It's a bonus. What compliment did he give him? I don't know, something like... you. I don't know, I can't remember. Joe, do you want to take a stab? Uh, I do not. Apparently he said, you know how to bite a dick, Eugene, and I say that with the utmost respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, Joe, I'm going to give you a series of names, and I want to know which of the following characters died last. Tyrese, Merle, Beth, or Andrea? Tyrese. Correct, for a point. The bonus, can you do the correct order? I'll remind you of the names. Tyrese, Merle, yep. Beth, and Andrea. Put them in order, please. Of death. Uh, it goes Merle, Andrea, Beth, Tyrese. So close, but Andrea died before Merle. No bonus for you. Gareth, your final question. Why yep. is Judith called Judith? Judith's called Judith because... I've got a... Oh, isn't it one of... Is it rare? Now, before name. you say anything, remember there are multiple choice options available. You have a two-point uh, yeah, lead, so a one-point lead would probably put this in the bag. Was Judith named after Laurie's mother, Carl's English teacher, Judge Judy, or Rick's aunt? <laughs> um, I think it's Laurie's mother. No, it's Carl's English teacher. Carl's English teacher. Okay, Joe, who was the original showrunner for the series? I'm. This will tie it up if I get it without the multiple choice. You'll win it if you can name it without the multiple choice. Oh boy, Frank Abagnale. No, it was of course Frank Darabont. So sadly, Joe, you do not manage to steal victory at the eleventh hour. Instead, Gareth, the superfan is the winner. Congratulations, Gareth. You're going to get that hoodie. Now, I can offer you either a satellite ticket on PokerStars of around $27, $30 in value or a mini chipset. The choice is yours. Um, I'll have the satellite ticket, please. You can have that satellite ticket. It'll be winging its way towards you along with the hoodie. Thank you very much for coming on the show and competing in this quiz. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, my babies, that is almost all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, which is also this week, but you can't download it yet. Confusing. We'll I know. I just like making it confusing on purpose. We've got our bad poker movie special. Yes. We'll we'll be reviewing a double bill 
of appalling films. <laughs> Both and I can, boy, when I wrote this, I didn't know how true that was going to be, but I have since watched them, and the story checks out. Lucky you and deal. So uh, we'll be going through those films scene by scene. You got one more week to watch them, or I guess you have as much time as you want. I guess if you're going to not download the podcast or not listen to it for a while, but whatever. Here's the thing: I guarantee, I guarantee, if you don't watch these movies before listening to next week's show. We will put you off ever going near them. So you've basically got seven days before you are turned off forevermore from watching a single frame of these disastrous motion pictures. And that's going to make it sound like don't watch them and we're doing you a favor. But I don't think you'll really be able to appreciate the discussion we're about to have unless you put yourself through it first. It's like when someone says, oh, this smells terrible. Smell it. Like you need to smell the terribleness yourself. That is true. It is a book club assignment, people. So track down the movies, watch them, and then listen to us tear them apart. Now, speaking of, uh, no, please don't tear this show apart because we would like you to click like and rate and leave us a review. See the Simon Baker? He got praise. He got praise at the beginning of the show for writing us a good review. Write us a good review. We will read your name on the show. Come on, do it. We need your help. However, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Until next time in our Bad Poker Movie special for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.